Uh, good morning again. Good to see you on this Palm Sunday. And if you don't familiar with Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday is the day that <coughs> Jesus came to Jerusalem triumphantly as the hope of the world. And by the end of the week, he completed his mission here on earth and gave us an amazing gift. And more about that later. So we are in the midst of a sermon series on global missions. And and being different from any other message that we usually give, we usually leave the application at the end. But I'm going to give the application right up front. So to be clear, we're in a global missions uh, series. So the application is to get all of you to be excited about missions. And in your program, there's this handout that has many opportunities that you can experience the mission experience. And that's short-term mission opportunities all through the summer. And I'm going to be highlighting one in particular, and that's the ice cream that will be happening in Richmond on July 17th and 19th this summer. Now, if you're new to us, it's something we've done for about six years, and we took a two-year break. And I'm so excited that we're actually bringing it back again this year. And, and just to get you the familiar uh, what we do at the ice cream, I want to show you a video that gives a little bit of highlight of what happens at the ice cream. And it's going to be introduced by our partner church, Living Hope Neighborhood Church, and by their lead pastor, Pastor Aaron Roy. So have a few words, and then you'll get an idea of what happens at the ice cream. Hey guys, my LHNC and my CLC family. Um, it's so cool to put those two churches together. Obviously, this is our third year partnering, and uh, CLC has meant so much to Living Hope. And uh, our partnership has gone way beyond our eye screening, and uh, we are now officially family. So I just wanted to uh, tell you, CLC, just how grateful we are here at Living Hope for your partnership for doing life with us, for doing ministry with us. You are helping us reach the city of Richmond and the surrounding cities. So just wanted to say thank you, first and foremost. Um, also, just wanted to say how significant it is to be able to do our third eye screening. It is such a privilege to, to serve Richmond and to, to serve this area. And it is such a blessing for all the people that are around here. I mean, there's not a lot of optometrists. There's not a lot. Of, of health um, fairs like this, and uh, this has just been a huge blessing. So it's just really significant to, to be able to partner. It's really significant to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here. And uh, I know that our community was blessed by this. Amen. Recently, I um, celebrated milestone birthday and uh, my uh, love language is gifts now at my stage of life there really isn't anything I really need materially anymore but I still like gifts because that's my love language and my family knows that and so usually my son and, and my wife they usually get me very practical things they they like to give me clothes so it's a great great gift it's a uh, it's quite cool that, that I get to be fashionably attired by my son and my wife. Uh, my daughter, whose love language is actually gifts, she actually gives me really 
interesting gadgets and, and cool gifts because she likes gifts and she knows me. So for my birthday this past, uh, um, that past month, uh, I got a gaming headset. So that was really cool. So I get to game online with this new headset. So gifts. But do you ever wonder what you would give God as a gift? Because you're like, God, God doesn't really need anything. I mean, he has everything. But I believe that the one thing we can give to God is to be on missions for him. That I believe that that's the best gift that God would ever want for us is to be his representatives in the world, to be his reps. Well, today, it happens to be Palm Sunday. And it's a day that Jesus came into Jerusalem to complete his mission on earth. And he came in as a triumphant hero, but he was a different kind of hero. One that would go to the cross and sacrifice his life for us. And at the end of the week, God gave through his son, his one and only son, to us so that we may have eternal life. And that is the greatest gift ever. And when Jesus completed his mission on that cross, we were reconciled back into his family. And when Jesus was resurrected from death, we also had victory of over death if we trust in him with our lives and our souls. And that's a gift that is amazing. And with gratefulness, we should respond that the best gift we can give back to God is repping him in the world to be his reps so that the gospel can be heard by others. So how do we do this? What does this practically look like? And I'm going to have us look at 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 12, and we'll get an idea from the Apostle Peter what it means to be God's reps in the world. So from 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12, I will read the text. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And that is the word of the Lord. Very simple. Two verses that we're going to look at today. And they tell us that it is important for us to go into the world to be God's representatives. So let me um, pray for us as we look into his word. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your son Jesus who went to the cross for us. And I thank you for the victory that he had over death so that we may receive eternal life as we trust him as our Lord and Savior. So I pray now that you will open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, but most importantly, open our hearts to what you will have us to feel this, this day. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So my big idea for my message today, again, is... The best gift we can give to God is repping him in this world. Repping means to represent. And we do this all the time, right? In our daily lives, just by the, the clothes that we wear, the, the cars we drive, the food we eat. I mean, we represent the schools we attended. We have sports teams and hobbies that we represent. We, we even have... Uh, the kind of cars we drive in, in, our, in our attire or our, the, uh, 
emblems on our cars. And in all these things, we represent all kinds of organizations, companies, and brands. At the end of the day, matter of fact, at the end of our lives, if someone was going to ask you a question, who you represented in the world, would they recognize whether or not you, rec you were repping God? Not some food company or some, some tech company, but are you actually known for representing God? And that's the kind of the question that will come on Judgment Day. Would Jesus, when he sees you in heaven, recognize you as someone who represented him in this world? Well, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us uh, have, have it all together. We are all broken people. And because of that, Scripture tells us that we fall short of the glory of God. And, and because of that, by nature, we have a lot of sin in our lives. And when we go into the world representing God, we kind of have to represent that. And there isn't a call that we have to be perfect, but we should at least look like we're trying to make changes in our lives, to be different from what the world is like. Because if we look too closely like what others look like in the world without Jesus, then what's the point? And the scripture tells us here from 1 Peter, encourages that we should be transformed people. And how are we transformed? Well, we're works in progress. And it's very difficult to, to make changes in our lives. And we can only do this through the Holy Spirit. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we do have the Holy Spirit. And that's a great gift that helps transform our and change our lives. And we're not just to sit around and just wait for the day that we go into heaven. But we, as we live here, are to be making efforts to make changes in our lives. And so if we are to represent God in the world, we should keep ourselves in shape. Like in any sporting event, you go into training. You get into shape so that you can uh, participate in, in whatever activities that you need to do. So to represent God, we need to get into mission shape. And First Peter says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Foreigners and exiles. Those words, Peter are, are telling his audience that they are foreigners and exiles. And when you hear that, those two words, some translations have it as uh, aliens, or strangers, sojourners, various words have been used to translate uh, what it means to be a foreigner in exile. Those are not meant to be complimentary kind of terms. They're actually kind of derogatory. They're actually not positive images. When someone calls you a foreigner or an exile or a stranger or an alien, they're not being they're actually saying, you don't belong. You're an outsider. You're not with us. You're not a member. You're not a citizen. You're not, not, not. And so what Peter is saying to the early Christians, you are foreigners and exiles. And a lot of people in that context, in that times, understood that. Once they became a Christian, a lot of them were thrown out or disowned by their Jewish family. Or even, even the Roman government seeing Christians who were not being uh, 
not uh, loyal to, the, to Caesar, they would persecute them. So there wasn't a lot of good favor by naming yourself a Christian in those times. So hearing these words, you are a foreigner and you are an exile, in some ways there was a lot of truth to that. Here in the United States, if you're an American citizen, uh, you get one of these things. Right? This is a, a very powerful document, a passport. It allows you to have the freedom to travel, to leave the country, but more importantly, it allows you to come back into the country. It's a, it's a passport. And, and when you carry this around, when you go abroad, you essentially tell everybody else you're a foreigner, right? Because when you're in, a, in a, a foreign country, when you're in a country outside the United States, the way that you prove that you are an American citizen is through this passport. And this passport allows you to roam freely in other countries, but it does kind of give a neon sign to other people that you are a foreigner. Because in some sense, it tells you tells them that you have allegiance to the United States. Well, in many ways, likewise, as Christians, we have become citizens of a new a new state, the kingdom of God. And our allegiance now is with God through Jesus Christ. And when our allegiance is with Jesus Christ, our perspective changes, our customs, our values should change. It won't be the same as the world, customs and values, but it should be aligned and have allegiance to God's values and customs. And consequently, you know, God tells us that we are in the world, but not of the world. And so, so we should look more like God's citizens and not citizens of this world especially if we want to be used on God's mission to share the good news of Jesus to others. And Peter tells us in this scripture, verse 11, in 1 Peter 2, how to do that. And that is to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul. Abstaining from sinful desires is not an easy thing to do. It's hard. It takes sacrifice. It takes discipline and the help of the Holy Spirit. And life here has so many temptations, and some are even considered good things. But too much of a good thing can be also bad too, right? And, and to demonstrate that, what I mean by sinful desires, one of mine is in this bag. It's so bad for me that I have to hide it in the bag. And, and before I show you what's in the bag, uh, I'll tell a story of how bad my sinful desire whatever's in the bag. I remember we were traveling in, in Europe, uh, Terry and I, uh, a few years back, and we're walking the streets of Rome. And, you know, you, there's amazing things to see in Rome. There's like the, uh, the Vatican and, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Forum and, and, and the Colosseum. But I know we were walking down this, this, this alleyway, and there was this aroma that was floating in the streets. And it was just an amazing smell that's un unmistakable. 
and, and as soon as I smelled, uh, smelled that scent, I said, I had to have it. And, and yes, <laughs> it was McDonald's french fries. These things are such a sinful desire for me that as soon as I smelled that, that, that savory smell of french fries on the streets of Rome, I had to go get them. And, and you know, they're so terrible. I mean, they're really bad for you. At least they're bad for me. You know, the, the, uh, the salt and the, the fat and the carbs, they're terrible, but they're so good. And, and so, yes, I did have to succumb to that desire, and I had to have it. But as the scripture says, like, French fries do terrible things to my body. So our sinful desires, they do terrible things to our soul. The scripture says it actually does war with our soul. And in the climate, especially what we see what's happening in Syria, the civil war, the atrocities of the war, that that image of what can destroy our souls is the same. Well, to get into mission shape, Peter tells us to abstain from them. And, and it's important because if we don't make ourselves look different, smell different, look different, dress differently, speak differently than the world, then we are going to attract people to what we're going to say and tell them. And most importantly, our message is to tell them about Jesus Christ. Sinful desires are just things that, um, are, that distract us away from God. They're called idolatries. And some of them may be just our money, our resources, our careers and our work, our families and relationships. And I mentioned before, like some of our sports and hobbies, they can just take us away from what is meaningful to, to God. And it's not just the basic things like pride or jealousy or envy or anger. It could be some good things. But too much of the good things can be also bad for you. So what are your sinful desires? What are the French fries in your life? And if you need to curtail some of that, that may be a wise thing. As the scripture says in, in Peter, that we should abstain from these sinful desires so that we can be useful for God. To get into mission shape, Peter tells us to abstain, and by doing so, we will look different than the world, and that others will notice us as being different from them, and hopefully, will be attracted to our message of hope in Jesus. Now next, Peter tells us to represent God. We are to do good, to do good deeds. And I say, do good. Do even more good. And on top of that, do even more good. Because others are watching. Others are seeing what we do. Putting our faith into action. Verse 12 says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In this world, many of us are accused by others of many things. There is so much hate and anger around us. But whatever 
economic status you have, whatever educational status you've achieved, whatever marital status, whatever social standing, whatever gender or sexual orientation, whatever status you may have, somebody is going to hate on you. That's just the way it goes in the world. Political, color of your skin, your nationality, doesn't matter. Someone is going to hate on you. Well, back in Peter's time, being a Christian, as I said, was a tough life. Much persecution, if you ever aligned yourself with Jesus, will happen. The government didn't like it. Sometimes your families didn't like it. The Roman and Jewish leaders were persecuting, persecuting you. And today, it's no different. Especially if you identify yourself as a Christian. There was a book that was written a few years back uh, called Unchristian. It's from the George Bonner Research Group. It was written by David Kinnaman. And in it, they, David Kinnaman surveyed Americans asked the question to people, what do you think about Christians? And the top answers that came out of the survey said that Christians were hypocritical, too political, judgmental, and anti-homosexual. That's just four out of, I think there's like a list of 10 things. None of it is really flattering, not very complimentary of what Christians are. And this was, in the, in the survey, curious, it's not just unchurched people, these were even churched people were saying the same things about Christians, young and old. So universally, in America, the image or the perception of what a Christian is, is not a good one. It's not a very positive image. And you can understand that in today's climate, it's really hard to identify yourself as being a Christian to your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, right? have a little bit of hesitancy because you're already prejudged with such biases that you're hypocritical, that you're too political, that you're judgmental, and that you're anti-homosexual. Those kind of labels kind of put an obstacle or a wall to the, to the message that you, you are wanting to deliver. And I can understand a lot of us are hesitant to wanting to identify ourselves as Christians. But that was no different back in the day of Jesus' time when he walked the earth. And people were willing to take on that kind of persecution and to share the good news of Jesus. Because if they didn't, none of us would be around as Christians either. It is because one generation is willing to make those kind of sacrifices, take on that kind of suffering, take on that kind of persecution share the good news of Jesus to others so others may hear. To counter this kind of negative perception that the world has for Christians, Peter tells us the way to do it. And in the scripture, verse 12 tells us it is through good deeds. That even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of where people are accusing you of doing wrong deeds, it's to continue to do good deeds. And, and when I want to make a point here too, a note, that I'm not saying that our salvation comes from our good deeds. We're not a faith that's based on works. 
something that's freely given through grace. But our good deeds do come from our salvation. We, having received salvation, will respond by doing good deeds. It is just a natural way of, of responding to the great gift that God has given to us, is to do good deeds. And when we do acts of service or acts of kindness or generosity, when we love others in the name of Jesus Christ, people do notice. Now, back in 2005, there was a, a terrible uh, natural disaster. It was, it was uh, Hurricane Katrina. It hit the south, primarily the New Orleans area, and devastated. And, and at that time, a columnist for the UK uh, Guardian um, wrote this. He, his name was uh, Roy Hattersley, and he was an outspoken atheist. After observing multiple Christian organizations and relief efforts in the aftermath, he noted that the, there was an absence of atheist groups. And he wrote this, Christians are the, most, are the people most likely to take the risk and make the sacrifices involved in helping others. The only possible conclusion is that faith comes with a packet of moral imperatives that, while they do not condition the attitude of all believers, influence enough of them to make Christians morally superior to atheists like him. Even an atheist, one who does not believe that God exists, sees Christians in action. For even atheists don't even care. It makes a difference. And he had to admit, this Roy Hattersley had to admit that Christians are better So what kind of Christian are you? Are you one that when people see you are moved to go into action to help others? Or as even Roy Hattersley says, some are not even influenced by that. So my hope is that you're the kind of Christian that will take action and help those in need. Because through our good deeds, others will notice may not be immediate, but eventually they will notice that being a Christian makes a difference in the world, even when it's hard, even when it hurts, even if it's costly. And that's why my, my main application that I started off my message with today is that one of the ways that our church will be doing good deeds is through the ice room this Sunday. And I said it's not something we get to do. It's something we must do. It's because many are watching. And when they are watching that, they're wondering, what do Christians do to make any difference? And ice cream, for one, I truly believe makes a difference in the world. And I want us to look at a, a video because testimonies, stories of what a difference something makes is so Here's, here's some testimonies about an ice cream um, that we've been doing for six years and going to be doing again. So let's share that video, please. I'm Dave Clark. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Hope Neighborhood Church. And I've just seen God work in uh, 
many different ways in the few days that we've been able to host the eye screening. Uh, I've seen people who come in who are just so thankful uh, for the blessing of being able to get free eye care. Many who have shared that they have been having a hard time financially and this has just been a huge provision. Uh, I've met people who have said that they've been away from the church for a while and have been praying for a church home and, and that this, you know, they're going to come check out our church. Uh, I've seen guys from the rescue mission in Richmond that have come and so we've been able to serve the rescue mission in different ways. Uh, there's been neighbors I've been praying for and have been looking for opportunities to make them aware of the church and this has provided a great way uh, to build with them. I've also uh, just seen our church mobilized. Uh, as our church has volunteered together, it's brought unity amongst our church. And I can just see that our church is just excited about this and excited even moving forward from this. And then probably the last thing would be just the relationship that our church, Living Hope Neighborhood Church and Christian Layman Church, that partnership and those relationships, I'm just really excited about and just feel that we're able to encourage and sharpen one another. I've just seen people um, come through and be really uh, appreciative of, uh, of this project. And I think it's a combination of things, of not just providing uh, visual care, but I think the people have come through and been really appreciative of the prayer given and the, and the, the concern and the, the, um, just the interaction, the conversations that are going on outside the building and within the building just being warmly greeted. And so I think people are experiencing God's love in many different forms and ways of expression. And and so uh, this is definitely from, from about the, from heaven though, because it shows the hand of God is moving around. It works pretty well right now. Everybody's happy. You see a lot of people walking out of the church from that promise over there. And uh, they're with a big smile on their faces because some of them, they have no insurance, first of all. They cannot afford to buy new glasses, you know. And like I said earlier, this is, this is uh, something amazing. This is wonderful, really wonderful. God working in that, especially today, I feel like God's really here. I feel like His presence is really um, noticeable in that. I guess people are just really, just really nice and really kind-hearted, and I think they feel it too. That God is definitely here, and God is, God is working. You know, you talk to people like I was a runner, and you talk to people and like say, "Oh, you go know to this church? You know, have you been to this church?" And they say, "No, but I'm coming this Sunday." Um, definitely one of the most incredible ways I've seen God work is, you know, the leaders of the church at Living Hope have definitely had a desire to see people in the community gather together in one place, people of different backgrounds, different religions, um, different economic backgrounds, and the eye screening has absolutely opened the door for that to happen here in our neighborhood, which is a huge answer to prayer. So we've seen God move and that we've seen all different people groups coming this way and be blessed and the way that the Lord has moved in my life personally as I've been able to be here and serve is just the privilege to be able to serve those who come. Um, it's been incredible to be under the prayer tent and see different people come, ask for prayer, be able to join hands um, with strangers um, in the name of Christ and to be able to pray over them has been a blessing not only for me but for all of the leaders that are here serving as well. So it's been beautiful. Missions is an opportunity for, for us to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
and in many ways allows us to be uh, reconcilers, to have the ministry of reconciliation that is a calling that God has for his people to participate in. And I remember when we first did uh, one of our ice creams in West Oakland, I had us sitting at a table with an African-American gentleman, and, uh, and he, he said something that was really shocking. He said that in his life, he had never seen any good come from any Asian. I mean, that, those are pretty harsh words being said to, to my face. <laughs> but he said, this week changed my life and my attitude about it because the ice cream made me realize that good can come from Asia. That's a difference maker. Uh, when we were in Richmond, there was a family that lived nearby one of our partner churches, Midland Hope, a neighborhood church. It was a Muslim family. And they'd been praying, they'd been trying to reach out to them, but they just had walls put up. They, they refused any contact. But at the ice creaming, that family came, the children and the mother and the father, and, and received eye care. And at the end of the week, that Muslim family brought a basket of food to the pastor's house at Midland Hope Neighborhood Church. And if you don't know the significance of that, in the Middle East, having fellowship, table fellowship, is the most intimate thing you can have. And so for this Muslim family to be changed like that by the ice cream is significant. And then in this world, a lot of times we think the people of influence are politicians or church leaders or family leaders. But that's not always the case. In Richmond, sometimes drug dealers are the most important and influential. And at an ice creaming, there was a gentleman who went through, through the, the uh, ice creaming through the different stations. And he made a comment that he's been to many health fairs, he's been to many health clinics, but he's never been treated as humanely and respectfully than at our ice cream. And he happened to be a notorious drug dealer at Richmond. And he ended up coming to, to, to Living Hope Neighborhood Church to worship. That's the amazing power that as, as Christians, when we are doing good deeds and others are watching, it makes a difference. Recently, I had a conversation with Pastor Aaron Lloyd, who is the lead pastor of Living Hope Neighborhood Church. And he says that, that even though we've been on a break from doing the ice cream for two years, and we'll be doing it again this summer, he said the ripple effect continues on is because it has opened doors for their leadership, their pastors, to speak at school boards and at city council. And when they're there, there are people, leaders in government and in education sitting there, and they say, I remember your ice cream that you did a few years back. And so the fame, the notorious, variety of our ice creaming still has an effect in making a difference. And that's why I say that it's not something we get to do. We must have the ice creaming again. And so we are going to have it this summer. And my encouragement is that you, if you're getting excited about it, to make that commitment 
to join us. We will have to mobilize the church to put this on. But specifically, for short-term mission purposes, for our global missions series, we're looking for four to five people to join us, being part of the core team, so that you don't just look at it as a service project and go out, but you look at it as a full mission experience, and just to have your heart soften for urban ministries. And that's what it means to go on a mission. And in some ways, there is no excuse. As John Piper says, we gotta go send or disobey. Being part of missions is every Christian's life. And so if you're not willing to do it here, how are you gonna be able to do it abroad? If you're not willing to share the gospel to your neighbor, how are you gonna share it with a stranger? Recently, I was getting my hair cut. And my hairstylist who was going through uh, some mourning, she lost her boyfriend. He was only 33 years old and he died of brain tumor. And she asked me a very difficult question. She said, do you think he's in heaven? So, you know, I didn't wanna say an answer that would get her upset because she was cutting my hair. And so she had very sharp instruments. And so I would have to, I was just sitting there thinking, okay, how do I say this gracefully, but not deny the truth? And I said, you know, as a Christian, my faith tells me the only way you can get into heaven is through a person named Jesus Christ. And so that's the only way. I don't know if your boyfriend's in heaven, but the only way I know is through Jesus. And that's our purpose in life, is whenever we're called upon, we are to deliver, to save the beautiful name of Jesus to others. And that's what it means to be God's representatives in this world. And so that is the good news. And I hope that we will never hesitate represent God as your children. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. He is the most precious gift he has ever you have ever given to 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 any of us and we are grateful for that. And so to be your reps in this world, we need your help. So help transform us so that we may resist the sinful desires in this world so that we would look, smell, and, 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 and appear different to others so that our reputation when doing good deeds will not obscure the beautiful name.